Thank you for joining us as we walk with God. This is Brenda McCord for The Awakening in America, an outreach of the Himmelreich Memorial Christian Library. Hi friends, welcome to Walk with God. My name is Brenda. In this season, we are working our way through the book of John, and we want to learn more about Jesus. Walt and I are thankful for this opportunity to share God's Word with you each week, and it's our hope that you are encouraged in your personal walk with God. I have a question for you. Do you remember when you were baptized? You know, I remember I was a young girl and I'd ask my parents for a year or more if I could please get baptized. We were attending a small church in our town and I wasn't yet 12 years old and my parents felt like they wanted me to be 12 years old. They wanted me to make sure I understood the significance of baptism. And finally, just before I was going to turn 12, they did say yes, I could be baptized that spring. And I attended the weekly classes on Saturday mornings for a few weeks, and I still remember how meaningful those lessons were to me. In fact, it was during this time when I told the Lord that I was willing to serve Him in ministry, even in a full-time capacity whether it would be as a missionary or possibly married to a pastor, which is what ended up happening. Amen. <laughs> and, or wherever he might call me. And I remember the very specific day as I walked home from that Saturday morning class, I remember praying and telling the Lord I would serve him. So that means I'm the answer to your prayers. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> You're right. <laughs> well, the preparation for baptism and the actual baptism are planted very firmly in my memory. As we are continuing in the first chapter of the book of John, uh, we have seen that the word that's um, from eternity, the word, he is eternal. He was with God. He was God. The word is the Son um, in the triune God. In him was life, the light of men, in fact, referred to as the true light. And we know from John 1.14, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. So we have the Son from eternity who now becomes the incarnate Son of God, Jesus, who took on flesh became a man. He is perfect. He knew no sin. And today we are going to begin in John chapter 1 with verses 16 and 18, just to wrap up and kind of tie together last week, our time um, into this week. And so beginning in verse 16, we see, for of his fullness, we have all received and grace upon grace. And I love the New Living Translation for this verse, for from his abundance, we have all received one gracious blessing after another. You know, friends, this is maximized grace, grace, something that we do not deserve, but it is poured upon us, one gracious blessing after another, a gift, blessing and blessing and blessing. And these words in verse 16 have captured my heart recently. I've, I've been thinking about 
how can I show my gratitude for his grace, for the gracious blessings, the many gifts he has given? And the Lord brought to mind two young women who've shared with me recently. First, our daughter-in-law has a jar sitting on her bedstand beside her bed, and in that jar, she um, will add slips of paper that she has written the date and then a specific blessing or a gracious gift that God has given to her or to her family. And she keeps that jar right beside her bed. And I think that's a great suggestion. Another friend, Alicia, recently shared with me that she actually has also a gracious gift jar. And each year around Thanksgiving, she empties the jar of those slips of paper. She puts them in a Ziploc bag and writes the date on it. But during the season of Thanksgiving, they actually go through as a family and they read through those gracious blessings. And so I love these ideas and they are a great way for us to look for ways to give thanks and to offer gratitude. And and we should be offering gratitude for the grace that God bestows upon us. And continuing into verse 17, we read more about this grace. And it says this, for while the law was given through Moses, Grace, God's unearned, undeserved favor and spiritual blessing, grace and truth came from Jesus Christ. Um, And then this verse compares the law, which was given through Moses to God's people and God's unfailing love and his faithfulness, which comes to us through Jesus Christ. Um, There's so much there we could talk about the law and what was its intent, but it's holy, righteous, and good, Jesus teaches us. And and it tells us, it tutors us in what a holy God deserves and demands. But grace and truth, the, the, the focus of John in this passage, this aspect of unfailing love, Um, that came through Jesus Christ, this aspect of of the truth of God. Um, Jesus says that God's word is true, and and we should, and he's the written word is about Jesus in the New Testament, but he is also the word become flesh. And then continuing on in verse 18, no one has ever seen God, but the unique one, the one and only Son, who is himself God, is near the Father's heart. He has revealed God to us. This only begotten of the Father, the the one and only true Son, uh, Jesus is unique in this way. And he has this close relationship with his heavenly Father. He is the Son, but he's also God. And Jesus is near to the Father's heart. And as we continue verses 19 to 23, this is a testimony of John. Now, that's not John the author. That's John the Baptist. That when the Jews sent to him priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, who are you? And and he confessed and, and did not deny, I am not the Christ. I am not the Messiah that's anointed by God and appointed to come. And they continue on, these religious leaders, that, what then? Are you Elijah? And they said to him, I am not. They ask, are you a prophet? And he answers, no. Then they said to him, who are you? So that we may give an answer to those who sent us. What do you say about yourself? And he said, I'm a voice of one crying in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord. 
as Isaiah the prophet has said. And in this testimony, um, the Jews come to him and they, they, they demand, what is going on? It seems like the whole nation is coming down to John to the Jordan and be baptized. And, and they're hearing a message, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. And so the Pharisees come and these were zealous followers of the Mosaic Law, but they had extra traditions. And um, this is the largest religious party. And, and the priests come and the Levites, these uh, studied the Torah for their whole lives. And they say, who are you? And John responds, I'm not the Christ. Are you Elijah? I'm not Elijah. And are you a prophet? No, I'm not a prophet. Then who are you? And I love this. These men who've asked and studied the Torah, they're asking John. And his response is, I must give an answer. What, what do you say about yourself? I'm a voice of one crying in the wilderness, make straight the way from the Lord. That's Isaiah 40, verse 3. But then even as he says that, that whole passage of Isaiah, and I could stop and just teach this for a long time, but that whole passage, Isaiah 40, goes on and says this, Let every valley be lifted up, and let every mountain and hill be made low, and let the rough ground become a plain, and the rugged terrain a broad valley. Then the glory of the Lord will be revealed, and all flesh will see it together, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. And so when he, John says this, he's, John the Baptist isn't just saying, yeah, I'm just a voice in the wilderness because he's in the wilderness. He's down in the Jordan, um, just beside the Judean wilderness. But he's saying, get ready, get ready, repent for the kingdom is at hand. And the natural outflow of that is the king is at hand. Get ready, prepare a way. John wants the, the people prepare. We want people prepared for Christ who's calling, and he's calling for repentance, and he's coming. John wants these people to be ready to meet their Messiah. Um, and re remember in Scripture, it says there's coming a day when he comes, every knee will bow, and every tongue will confess that Jesus is, is the Christ to the glory of God the Father. John wants people to be bowing before the Lord willingly and worshipfully and happily, but there'll be some who hasn't trusted in Christ who will be bowing in abject terror and defeat. And as Walt has just shared that passage of John the Baptist and who he is, as we continue in verses 24 to 28, we read a little bit more about John the Baptist and his testimony, his bold witness for the one who is to come. So beginning in 24, now they had been sent from the Pharisees. They asked him and said to him, why then are you baptizing if you're not the Christ, nor Elijah, nor the prophet? And John answered them saying, I baptize in water, but among you stands one whom you do not know. It is he who comes after me, the thong of whose sandal I am not worthy to untie. These things took place in Bethany beyond the Jordan where John was baptizing. So just as Walt shared, John is in the wilderness. So you, if you're in Jerusalem, you come down uh, through a, a really rough terrain, uh, part of what is the Judean wilderness. You pass by Jericho, 
and then you actually would continue across the plain and uh, across the Jordan River. We've been to Bethany beyond the Jordan where they have um, a baptismal site set up remembering the ministry there that John the Baptist had. But it's interesting because as these Levites and priests came to question, they know that baptism is the mark. It's a mark of the coming Messiah. It's baptism in water is part of even Jewish preparation to enter into the tabernacle when they were in the wilderness. And then once the temple came into Jerusalem, they actually do wash with water. And you see that water as part of cleansing. And they're saying, why would you baptize? You're not the Christ. You're not Elijah. You're not a prophet. What are you doing? And what John answers and says, I do baptize, but there's one who stands among you. It is he who comes after me. And John knows he is the forerunner. He's not the important one. And he recognizes he has been called on a very important mission. And he takes seriously the assignment that God has given him from even the time of the announcement that he would be conceived when his father was in the temple, right? And so we see here that John is taking the sin of the people and he's saying, consider your ways. Look at how you're living your life because there's one coming and you want to be ready when he arrives. Among you stands one whom you do not know. This seems to imply to us that as Jesus was in the midst, which we are going to see, Jesus was in the midst of that crowd. He he didn't stand out. He you know I he kind of wasn't a GQ guy. You know like I mean he wasn't dressed a certain he, had, he didn't have his hair styled. I, but he could honestly be overlooked by the people. Yeah, for sure. And he didn't go to the right schools. The schools with the Pharisees and the Levites. Um, he was up in Nazareth, a, a backwater town at that time. Um, continuing on in verses 29 through 34. Now, we're talking about John the Baptist. The next day, John saw Jesus coming to him, and he said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is he on behalf of whom I've said, After me comes a man who has a higher rank than I do, for he existed before me. I did not recognize him, but so that he might be manifested to Israel. I came baptizing in water, John testifies. I have seen the Spirit descending as a dove out of heaven, and he remained, the Spirit remained on him, Jesus, that unity within the triune Godhead. Verse 33, I did not recognize him, but he who sent me to baptize in water, God, said to me, upon whom you see the Spirit descend and remain upon him. This is the one who baptizes in the Holy Spirit. I myself have seen and have testified that this is the Son of God. And this is, again, there's so much imagery here. Just even saying the Lamb of God, 
as soon as you're saying that with religious leaders around, they're saying, whoa, 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 what, what is this? Because a lamb, specifically a lamb of God, um, that's what every family has to sacrifice when they go up for the feast. And that's what the nation has to have a sacrifice on Yom Kippur when they, they make a sacrifice and they go in and they sprinkle blood on the mercy seat. All of this brings up so many images of, of ritual sacrifice. And, and what does that do? Well, this is, this is amazing. <laughs> Not only does it take away sin of the Jewish nation, it takes away the sin of the world. Um, the sacrificial death of Jesus Christ was sufficient for the whole world, not just for a small community. Now, it's efficient for the saints that put their faith in him, but it's sufficient. It can take away the sin of the whole world. And, and this was shocking to Jewish religious leaders. It's like, no, the Messiah is coming for us. He's coming to save Jews. And, um, and John the Baptist is getting them ready. No, he's coming to do more than that. And aren't you and I glad because mm. neither of us are yeah. Jewish. Right. Uh, right. But then John repeats, I, I didn't recognize him. Remember, he's grown up in the same family. They, they've gone up to yep. the temple together at the High Holy Feast. Um, they've attended just a family reunions together. And, um, and John says, man, I'm looking at this guy, and I know he's a wonderful man of God, but now I know he's more than that. He is the Lamb of God that will come and will take away the sin of the world. Mm. Um, he knew Jesus, but he didn't know that he was the one until the Father revealed the truth to him through the descending of the Spirit as in the form of a dove and his remaining on Jesus. And I myself have seen him, John testifies, that this is the Son of God. I, I've seen him. I'm going to make a testimony um, a bold statement to all who hear, including the religious leaders, this is the Son of God. You know, John, Baptist, John the Baptist took his ministry, took the call that God had on his life. He took it seriously. He, he lived boldly, and he did what God called him to do. And we always want to take time to consider head to heart. How can we apply God's truth to our daily lives. John the Baptist was faithful. We've said that over and over today. God assigned a very specific task. John was to be a voice crying in the wilderness. And I'm left with that question, am I faithful as I live my life? Are you faithful as you live each day in your life? Am I willing to boldly proclaim to others, Jesus is the Son of God. He is the way, the truth, and the life. And then I think of the idea of prepare the way. And I take that phrase and, and ask myself, do I seek him? Do I prepare my heart each day with him? Do I try to have that time where I spend reading some verses from his word, meditating, praying, coming before him, but am I opening my heart and preparing? And then behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. It's also important that as I examine my heart, as you examine your heart, that we identify the sin that's not pleasing to the Lord and then take time to confess that sin and ask for his forgiveness. I like the words to this song, taking my sin, my cross, my shame, rising again, I bless your name. You are my all in all. Jesus, 
Lamb of God, worthy is your name. Until our next time together, may you continue to walk with God. Thank you for joining us as we walk with God. This is Brenda McCord for The Awakening in America, an outreach of the Himmelreich Memorial Christian Library.